Hey guys, happy Thursday to you and thank you for listening to another episode of Cigars and Crypto. It's your boy Noir and I had an awesome discussion with my man Green Eggs and Sam. We talked about how he got into crypto. A Facebook group named Lambos Hookers and Blow. <laughs> On demand liquidity and the XRP dump me. I want to take a special moment to shout out Roger Ver and Jeb McCaleb as well as the Noir Coin team for their continued support of my show. Make sure you check them out at noirofficial.org or on Twitter at noircoin. So kick back, relax, light one up, pour a little whiskey, and enjoy the show. Take care. You're listening to the only place on the internet that offers the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. Welcome to Cigars and Crypto. Now, here's your host, Invest Noir. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Cigars and Crypto. You know who it is. It's your boy, Noir, and I'm so happy to have my guest, Green Eggs and Sam. How are you, my man? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. So let's jump right in, my friend. How did you get into crypto? Uh, you know, I was part of a nationally syndicated radio program called Free Talk Live, and uh, they are 100% pro-liberty, so they have a lot of anarchists and voluntarists and so forth in their audience. Some of those were the early Bitcoin developers, and so they started talking about it when it was under a dollar. Um, I kind of shied away from it for a while. It was actually Roger Burr who sent me my first Bitcoin over Facebook, along with about 50 other people when they were, I don't know, 10, 50, 11 bucks. And uh, I've been involved off and on since then. Wow. So you are the quintessential OG. <laughs> I suppose. Now, you know, when it was uh, 1350, I took about 10 grand worth of numismatic coins, put them in a friend's gold and silver place, hoping that they would sell so I could take that and buy Bitcoin. Unfortunately, they didn't sell. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a silver bug myself, man. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's good as a store of value, but the problem with it is, you can't move it. No one wants it, you know? I mean, like I, I sell a lot of it on um, Craigslist and, and that sort of thing, person to person, but it certainly, it takes some setup time. And you also, you know, I bought my gold and silver back in like 2008. Um, it, it's so manipulated by the banks because precious metals are a bellwether towards economic troubles. And they just have been, kind of papering over the problems and printing money. So they don't want people to know that. So I think they have engaged in a lot of suppression. And of course, right now you have the JP Morgan uh, traders all facing criminal charges and not looking good for them. So. Yeah, man, it's, it's a bad thing for precious metals, but you know, you mentioned something that uh, just kind of sparked, piqued my interest, I should say bellwether, you know, with, uh, Financial instability, people lean towards assets that uh, retain their value and they lean towards assets that they feel are fungible um, in the case uh, of something bad happening, you know. So let's talk about your interest in XRP. I was introduced to you via Twitter. I was talking with someone, I was communicating with someone, and we have a discussion about XRP. And I think the guy got the idea that I, I don't like XRP. I had to express to him, I think a couple of times, 
I don't like any of them. I like profit. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what it is for me, as long as it generates a profit for me that I can realize by cashing it out and uh, putting it into other things, then uh, I appreciate and I like it. So tell me, tell me about XRP. Tell me why you gravitate to XRP or why the members of the community see you uh, as a community leader. Okay, so, you know, I'm like a lot of people's first response when I heard about XRP. Oh, that's the banker's coin. Um, I had a, from that original Free State Project community up in New Hampshire that's a bunch of libertarians and voluntarists and anarchists and so forth. They have a private group on Facebook called Lambos, Hookers, and Blow, and they brought me in there. I didn't know this at the time, but their plan was to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute. Go ahead. I tried not I tried to hold back, right? <laughs> I tried to hold back and just let you go for it. <laughs> Tell me the name of the group again, brother. It's actually uh Anycrypt version two, because I think version one got shut down. And or anarchocrypt version two, Lambos, Hookers and Blow. And I think it's <laughs> now with forty percent more hookers and blow or something like that. It changed. <laughs> Okay, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. You can imagine what we talk about in there. Of course, right? Of course. Their their diabolical plan, because, you know, when I was in New Hampshire, I was an activist. I did uh, YouTube videos. I was one of the early YouTubers, uh, was to show me, you know, XRP and Monero are two of the ones that they really like. Because, yes, XRP is great, but it's 100% public. And you have to have privacy to go along with that. And you're not going to get that from XRP or from Bitcoin. Um, so they, they introduced me to these. I started just kind of shadowing the group for a few months and then I decided, okay, I'm going to dig in and see what this is all about. And so I started my research and they had hoped that I would start making videos and well, guess what? That's what I did. Now I have a YouTube channel that's closing on 30,000 subscribers and, uh, I talk about this stuff all the time and, and really have gotten a a pretty in-depth view of everything that they're doing behind the scenes not just with Ripple, but with the global financial community. And, you know, my first approach was, oh, this is a banker's coin. I I'm, I'm, don't want to help these people. They're, you know, they stand for everything that I dislike and think is wrong with the world. Um, and then I kind of started to understand, well, one thing, uh, you know, there's Ripple, the company, and RippleNet, their proprietary software. And then there's the XRPL or the XRP Ledger which is this decentralized, trustless, uh, permissionless, uh, censorship-resistant, you know, all the same properties that Bitcoin has, uh, network, but it scales. And you know, if you go back to the original history, back in 2012, there was a group of smart people that were working on Bitcoin and said, hey, you know what? This thing's going to run into problems. It doesn't scale. It, it, the, the protocol is set up in a way that I don't think it can scale, and eventually it's going to run into problems. Fees are going to go through the roof. Wait times are going to go, you know, way, way out. And so we got to do something about this. And that was uh, Jeb, Jed McCaleb, uh, uh, David Schwartz, and a couple others, uh, Arthur Brito, and I'm forgetting the last one, uh, Chris Larson. There we go. So those four guys got together, came up with consent between them, and various people contributed various things, came up with this consensus algorithm, a different way to prevent double spend and uh, order transactions so that you get, uh, you know, valid transaction processing. It's it's exactly what proof of work solves, but it does it much faster. It scales. 
It doesn't uh, incentivize miners and create, you know, all the problems that come along with that. And it's far more efficient. You know, there's a guy uh, over in the Netherlands that runs the tip bot, which you've probably seen on Twitter. Uh, his server is running on, you know, like less than 500 watts and he's keeping a full history node. Uh, so, it, you know, it uses the power of an email server and there's only, I think, about 400 validators right now. Compare that to Bitcoin that's using uh, terawatts of power and, uh, you know, draining $10 billion. It's uh, raising the price of Bitcoin is like trying to fill a bathtub with the drain open because you have, you know, all these mining costs that are just going out the door as new money's coming in. Uh, and you don't get that with XRP. And, um, you know, as I dug in further and further, I started to realize the magnitude of what's happening behind the scenes. I mean, they are, yes, they're, they're doing this thing for the banks and to um, take the friction out of payments. You hear that a lot with SWIFT and everything they have going on. Uh, but at the same time, it's leveling the playing field and it's helping the little guys, the, the small mom and pop banks, the credit unions, the mid-sized banks, it's helping them get on equal footing with the JP Morgans and the, you know, the other big global mega banks. And in the process, it's moving us towards a more uh, open, decentralized society that empowers the individual. And to me, that's everything, even if it's a step, you know, kind of in the wrong direction to start with, if that makes sense. Yeah, there are a couple of things I want to unpack there. And what you okay. said makes sense, though, to answer your question. Yes, it does make sense. The part about helping small and medium-sized banks compete with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, banks like that, how is Ripple and or XRP helping those banks to compete? Great question. So today, uh, what, what they use to send money overseas for cross-border payments, for uh, wire transfers, that sort of thing, they use the SWIFT system. Uh, and there's 11,000 banks in the SWIFT system. But what they don't tell you is that, and, and SWIFT is great about this, they've come out with this GPI thing, which we, I'm happy to get into. They actually ripped that off from Ripple, if you didn't know. And that's a, there's a great story there. Um, what they don't tell you is that in order to do that, you know, that today they're bragging, oh, you can send money and it, most transactions complete in 60 seconds. Well, yes, if you preposition the money there days ahead of time. So it's the equivalent of like going down to Western Union or MoneyGram, giving them, uh, you know, $1,200 to, to, to send to Japan because you want to send money to someone in Japan. And then you have to go away, come back two, three, four days later. And then give them instructions for who to send the money to in Japan. And by the way, it's only going to be $1,000 that you're sending, but you don't know what the exchange rates are going to be over that long uh, uh, latency period that you have. You don't know how much the fees are going to be and on and on. And so that's what settles in 16 seconds. But you know, by my account or by the way I think about it, the, the clock starts when the money leaves your hand. And so... If you can think about trying to do that for customers or for countries all around the world or banks all around the world, it's very expensive to do, have those relationships, to park money around the world in different countries and different banks and just wait for your customers to come in and want to send money to one of those destinations. 
So they can't do it. it it's, it's too expensive. It's a top-heavy system. And so what happens is they have to go to the Chase Morgan, the, the big banks who can maintain and, re- and run the, that type of network because they have the scale. And what we find with GPI, if you go look at uh, the supporters who are like cheering for GPI, it's the big banks. Why? Because it's a profitable, top-heavy system, and they're the ones at the top. Who's the one, if you look in, the, in terms of remittance, you have uh, Western Union. They're the one company that's taught crap about Ripple. And why? Well, because all of the other money transfers, transmitters are using their network because they're the ones, they're the biggest player on the block. They have the scale. And so they like the system the way it is. They want to see that continue. And Ripple stands to wipe all that away, to plug everybody in, and where XRP has a role. You know, let's talk um, CBDCs, because I think you've got some questions around there. The, actually, I have questions about around how XRP plays a role. Because okay, yeah. I, I've been told that I need to make the differentiation between Ripple and XRP. So I'm, how does XRP play a role in um, offering small and medium-sized banks the opportunity to compete with larger banks outside of SWIFT. I'm going to do that kind of the the long way around here. Okay. So we're going into this world where every central bank is likely going to have a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. And if you think about that, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, then we we won't need XRP to do all this stuff, right? Uh, But that's actually not the case because think about it in terms of like a bank in, uh, let's say, Ecuador and uh, you have a bank in Ecuador needing to send money to someone in Iceland. Well, how much liquidity is flowing between Ecuador and Iceland? Probably not very much. So in terms of CBDCs, how are they going to exchange those? That's the problem that we have today with fiat. And that's why the dollar plays such an important role is it's the global bridge asset that everybody buys into and then uh, buys out of on the other end. Where XRP can come in is because you have this global bridge asset that's going to have liquidity in all these markets, you will have everybody in Peru that's wanting to send money anywhere in the world, or sorry, Ecuador, wanting to send money anywhere in the world, buying into XRP so that they can do that. And then on the other end, when it gets to Iceland, selling that XRP uh, to change it back into the local currency there. And it's not just limited to the liquidity between those two markets. It's going to be anybody wanting to send something from Ecuador to anybody wanting to send something from Iceland. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Where does the liquidity come from? So there's a couple things. One, it's, uh, you know, X, what used to be called X-Rapid, uh, happens on the public exchanges. Uh, it's hap- it, um, the, so, so individual retail traders can certainly take part in buying and selling XRP, and they could be buying from someone who's com- completing what's called an ODL, an on-demand liquidity transaction, for exactly that purpose. But I think most of it is going to be handled by market makers who are there to buy and sell XRP and move it around and make a spread. Okay, so I want to make sure that I understand this correctly. Yep. The XRP that you and I buy, right? 
mm-hmm. or other people who invest in XRP gets transformed into liquidity via liquidity on demand, on demand liquidity, ODL, right? Well, and so liquidity is the way I look at it, it's the depth of the order books on the exchange. So how much out there is available for, set, for sale and how much money can you move through an exchange without pushing the price up or down too much? Okay. All right. So uh, maybe I'm missing something here. I'm trying to connect XRP to the financial system that's supposed to be saved by Ripple. And I think there's something that I'm missing here. So in simplest terms, let me, Mm -hmm. if if I'm in the U S I want to send money into Mexico. I, uh, the way MoneyGram is doing it today is they have, uh, I think, um, I don't know if it's Coinbase, but I forget who their exchange is, but they have a U.S. exchange and they instruct them to buy XRP. They take that XRP, they send it to Mexico to an exchange called Bitso. Bitso then sells it on their exchange for Mexican pesos and then those get sent through uh, the, the banking system to complete that transaction and that whole process happens in typically on about 60 seconds is what they're reporting right now. Okay. That was the part I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I jumped to the advanced course right out of the. <laughs> that, yeah. That was what I was looking for. Okay. So I want to send money to my family in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. I go to, you said MoneyGram? Yep. I go to MoneyGram. I give them $100, right? Mm-hmm. They charge me. Four ninety five for the transaction, and my loved ones get the one hundred dollars in sixty seconds because there is a buy order placed for XRP. It's filled. It's then transferred to another exchange. Mm-hmm. It's then sold, and then it's moved to a bank or to MoneyGram, Money or is. So that's where the partnership comes in. Okay. The the reason that Ripple went and partnered with MoneyGram is because they have this vast network uh, because they're, you know, today they're using the traditional uh, banking system to facilitate transfers and they have cash parked all over the world, just like the big banks do. Um, So they, and today they need to, have a way, they already have a way to take money that's in their network and deliver it to the end user bank account. So MoneyGram, MoneyGram has the relationship with both exchanges in your example. And when they sell it and get the deposit, the fiat deposit in the destination account, they then take that and use their network to complete the, uh, the transaction and get it delivered to the user, end user's bank account. Okay, and all of these transactions occur just on the the two exchanges, the source and destination exchange, right? Correct. Okay. So it can get a little more I mean there can be multiple hops in there, but typically in the simplest case, yes. Okay. So when I see uh news and memes about Ripple 
the Ripple Corporation unlocking large amounts of XRP. Is that to facilitate this transfer between exchanges via MoneyGram and other entities like it? No. So what's happened there? Um, Ripple had uh, you know, 60, 70 billion XRP that they were sitting on. And they're like, you know, we're going to use this to build out the ecosystem and, and so forth. Uh, and people were criticizing them saying, oh, you could dump it at any moment on and on. So they said, okay, we'll use one of the native ledger features, escrow. And what they did is they took their 60 billion or, or whatever, whatever it was at the time, XRP, and they put it into escrows of a billion XRP each. And they set those to um, release on the first of the month, every month. And so they had this rolling four-year window that releases a billion XRP a month. And then what they do each month is they look at, okay, what, what kind of, how much are we going to need? Uh, and they decide, okay, we're going to take, uh, for a while last year, it was running about 300 million that they would take out and use to either sell OTC to provide for partnerships. They gave oh, a, a billion XRP to uh, Coil to help develop micropayments and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, last month or this month, they kept 100 million. Last month, they returned all billion of it back into escrow. Uh, and then they take whatever's left and they, they put it back and lock it back up and continue that rolling window of a billion XRP being released every month. So that happens like every single month you get people, oh, Ripple's dumping. See, clearly, and it, all it is is them unlocking the escrow. They figure out how much they're going to use. They put the rest back. And then the first on the following month, same thing happens all over again. Uh, for a while, they were selling, you know, like 250 million uh, a month, I believe, in XRP or $250 million a quarter. Uh, and they have decided that, you know what, there's enough XRP out there, there's enough liquidity out there that we're going to reduce that. And they did so by like 86% or 88%. So there's hardly any OTC sales. And mostly when they distribute XRP, it is to uh, partners that they're trying to develop a significant piece of the ecosystem. Okay, so when they release those funds into the environment, right, into the ecosystem, that's not what I want to say. <laughs> Hold on. You can be okay. negative. I mean, no, I'm uh, no, be, no. I'm trying. I'm trying to be objective. Okay. You know what I mean. I, I want to be objective. I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is why are we not seeing the price of XRP rise if these things are happening? Good question. Um, so there is there's a lot of it out there. Frankly, I, I think the crypto market as a whole is led by the current king, Bitcoin. So when Bitcoin dumps, it kind of, it tends to drag everything down with it. Um, and it's also in terms of what Ripple's doing to use XRP, you know, you got to go back to the, a little bit of the history of the company. So right out of the gate, you know, back 2012, 2014 timeframe, uh, they came up with this idea of how they, use XRP to facilitate payments. They went to the banks and they're like, hey, we're, we're here to save everything. You know, drop what you're doing. We've got the solution for you all. And the, the, the banks are like, okay, what is it? Crypto. You mean the stuff that 
terrorists, drug dealers, and money launderers use? No, no, get out of my office. And they kind of, they realized from that process, I think, how broken the system was and just how bad Swift was as a, as a um, you know, their main tool. You have a 6% error rate. They, they get hacked to the tens of millions of dollars every single year. I mean, it's payments get lost where you're sending money and it gets forwarded to the next bank and to the next bank and then it's gone. And it's like, what happened to my money? Well, we don't know. And like, that's how bad the system was. So what they did is they went back to the drawing board. They kind of put XRP aside for several years and they created something called X current, which basically replicates what Swift does, but it does it better. Uh, And by better, it has pre-transaction messaging. So the path that the money is going to take is set up and is known ahead of time. Swift didn't do that at the time. It's, uh, you know, it's got a number of other features in there. And basically what happened in at the 2014 Bitcoin conference, uh, a guy named Wim Raymaker and Gottfried LeBrant went up and talked to a Ripple employee named Bob Way and talked came first it was when the first day talked to him for like two to three hours on the expo floor of this trade show and heard all about what ripple was doing next day he came back with godfried and again they talked for two or three hours and um bob way didn't know this at the time but that's the number godfrey was the ceo of swift and Wim is the number two guy and it turns out what they did they you know ripple was really hoping to partner with swift and because there's a lot of what Swift does is sends instructions for settlement, but they are for, for payment, but they don't do settlement. Like they don't actually move the value with the instructions. They just kind of provide the instructions. It's like, it's like email with nightly FTP to move your email. Uh, that's how bad it was. And so they heard this new technology and saw, oh my gosh, we need to do something you know, they have this monopoly, so they've been resting on their laurels for the last decade because they could have done this anytime over the last 10 years. And they, they went back to the office first thing Monday, called a meeting. We, we found this out later from a, a Swift employee that defected and started working, working at Ripple. And they came up with GPI, which was basically a way to imitate what Ripple was doing, but they're not willing to bring in a digital asset and really uh, innovate. And that's the difference between Swift GPI and Ripple. So Ripple created this uh, X current is what they called it, which was a better Swift. Okay. And then they went back to the banks and said, okay, look, we can, we can improve your Swift process. And it works the same way you use it today. It's just faster. It's, you don't have the error rates. You don't have all the unknowns that you get with the Swift system. And what it did is it gave Ripple a way to get their foot in the door. And it worked very, very well. You know, they got a lot of, they started in Canada, went over to Bank of England, started working with them, and it just spread like wildfire. And today they have over 400 employees and the offices all around the world. And they have grown to a rather, uh, you know, decent-sized company very, very quickly. Um, now that they have... You know, they've reached, they needed to get to critical mass, which we think was over 300 customers uh, on RippleNet. They have that today. I think they're probably closer to 400. So they needed to get that critical mass. Now that they do, and now that, you know, they've been working over those last several years, 
to educate the banks and the customers and so forth on crypto assets and how they can be used and how they're not like Bitcoin and how they can do KYC and AML and comply with regulations. They've been working with regulators for the, you know, since 2014, I believe. Um, Now that they've kind of primed the pump, so to speak, got their foot in the door and have the global financial community's attention, they have really in the last few months switched their focus to XRP. And, you know, we didn't used to hear about XRP or XRAPID all that often in their interviews and public appearances and conference speeches and so forth. Now, almost every one of them, they mention ODL, on-demand liquidity, which is what they rebranded XRAPID to. That's the one that uses XRP. So they have really started pushing XRP. Um, At the same time, you got to understand this is not going to happen overnight. Uh, MoneyGram is their path forward. I've done a number of videos on this where you know moneygram's doing two things for them one they are sort of priming the pump so with uh bitso when they started liquidity was around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day sometimes it was actually negative liquidity uh today they've they've been ramping that up and ramping that up and moneygram's sending somewhere between probably 10 and 20 percent of their uh payment flows into mexico over odl and the liquidity has gone from that around 250,000 all the way up to, I think it's 10, 11 million today. Uh, so, but they have to do that in markets all around the world. So right now it's in Mexico, it's in uh, Philippines with coins PH. Uh, of course, the US, they are working to bring things up in Brazil and Ripple's very cautious. Like they want to know from a regulatory perspective, all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted before they start sending payments through because the banks are so conservative and want to make sure they're not running afoul of regulations and going to get fired you know, for being that idiot who got them a $10 million fine or whatever. So it's a slow process. Not only you know, do they have to get all the regulatory hurdles out of the way and get, get these turned up one at a time, but then they got to build liquidity. And Ripple has a guy named Miguel Vias who used to run the trading desk for the CME for gold and silver. And now he works for Ripple. And that's his job is to, you know, for, for every sell order that MoneyGram is trying to, uh, is offering up to complete a transaction on the Bitso exchange, there has to be a buyer on the other end. And in a lot of cases, that buyer is uh, one of these market makers that Miguel Vias has worked with behind the scenes to get them on the exchange and finding a way to buy that XRP and then make a spread on it by selling it somewhere else. This was an enlightening discussion, my friend. I, uh, <laughs> I, knew I learned a lot. And uh, I didn't say too much because you learn more by listening than you do by talking. So... Uh, I learned a lot uh, in this discussion, and I appreciate that. I just have one question, one more question for you. Sure. Where do you see cryptocurrency technology and blockchain technology going in the next three to five years? Ooh, three to five years is tough, but, uh, you know, I think of it in the same terms as the Internet. I've done some videos where I pulled uh, early videos of people talking about the Internet, and they just they're so clueless about email and how it works and 
this is how you do this. And it's today, you know, you compare that to the apps and the slick interfaces and all the stuff. There are kids today that have no idea they're using the internet. They think they're using an app on their cell phone and like they don't even understand what's going on behind the scenes. Today, crypto is not like that. If you're in crypto, you know you're in crypto because you got to learn all about it and figure out how to, you know, move funds around and all these things. It's, it's going to move in that same direction where it becomes seamless, where it becomes integrated into everyday life. And people are going to be using it. And I don't think they're even going to necessarily know that they're using it. And the reason is, in my view, companies like Ripple are working with the existing system to create that bridge. And I, I think long term, you know, this is going to really be bring about the end of fiat. And of course, governments can't uh, exist in the way that they do today without fiat money that they can inflate at will and not really face the consequences for a long time. So I think it's going to bring sound money to the masses. Uh, you know, that's even further out than three to five years, but that's where we're heading. Sir, I appreciate your time this evening. I appreciate you talking to me. Um, I am actually going to extend you another invitation to come back on right now. And uh, once we're done here, we'll line up another time. I'll, I'll DM you. We can line up another time so that we can talk about this because I want to kind of listen to this, ingest it, yep. and then formulate some more questions that I have. But I hope my listeners um, have listened and enjoyed this. Um, I hope they see that. You don't have to be contentious with people who believe in projects that you don't believe in. Um, you don't have to be uh, at odds or combative with people. You can just have a discussion and take the opportunity to listen and learn. So I appreciate you teaching me about Ripple today, and I'm looking forward to having you back in a couple of weeks if, uh, if you'd like to come back. Absolutely. I think that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Green Eggs and Sam. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time.